Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome back to Growing in Grace. So glad you joined us today. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 50, right at the end of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. I want to talk about forgiveness. You know, uh, the Bible says that we should forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. So we must forgive one another. Colossians 3.13. It's so hard to do in real life. And so I just pray that this message could be a blessing to you. And uh, I'm titling the message, Fuming or Forgiving? Which one will it be? I feel like we have choice. And so anyway, if you're like me, I haven't always made the right choice in that department. But I pray that the Lord would uh, just use His Word and minister grace to your hearts. After all, we're growing in grace. So here's Genesis 50, beginning in verse 15. We're going to look at a man named Joseph who had been so mistreated by his brothers. As a matter of fact, not only did they hate him and mistreat him, throw him into a pit, but another thing they did, they actually sold him. They sold him into slavery and he was taken away down into Egypt. I mean, if anybody had a beef, that would be the guy. But listen to what he says to his brothers in Genesis 50 verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Did you know that there are 13 chapters in the book of Genesis that are all about this man, uh, Joseph? I find that incredible because we have other important men like Adam, like Noah, like Abraham. I mean, we've got some other pretty big guns, but yet God says, no, there's something about Joseph's life. I'm going to write it so boldly and so big in the, in the word that you can't miss it. And so I don't know. There's, there's lots of lessons we can learn about Joseph. I mean, he definitely was a great leader, man of integrity, uh, always trustworthy. There's so many things that could be said. 
But don't miss what could be said about Joseph at this moment in his life. When his brothers are before him, his father, Jacob, had just passed away. And that's where I want us to begin. You know, a funeral can often stir the emotions. You know, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead is the way this whole passage begins. The loss of a family member, especially a a dad or father, it can definitely stir the emotions. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back in this same chapter and look at verse 1 and verse 3, you know, for example, listen to verse 3. I mean, verse 1 says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. You know, verse 3 says, Forty days were required for it, for that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him seventy days. And there's just so much sorrow and weeping and so forth all through this chapter leading up to verse 15. And so definitely I would say that the most common emotion that we have whenever we lose a family member is no doubt sorrow. But, you know, sometimes it's not just sorrow. Sometimes people are dealing with things like remorse or guilt. Some may be really angry because the deceased maybe didn't love them like they wished that that person, that man, that woman would have loved them. Maybe they're bitter. And so I just know if anybody had an opportunity to be bitter uh, or angry at a funeral, it was the parents of Jessica. Jessica was just two years old. And I was a a young pastor. This is back when I was a young man. But I was in Fairview, Alberta. And this young uh, two-year-old girl, Jessica, was uh, one of like five children that day who were being watched by a babysitter. Well, the babysitter was uh, enjoying watching the children as they played on a snow sled. It was a snowy day. But the farmer who uh, used that, that land and some of the equipment He wanted to go and move some things with his tractor, but he needed someone to spray ether in the front of the tractor in order to start it. So he asked the babysitter, would you spray ether in the front of the tractor? I'll start it, and then uh, that's all I need from you. You can go back to watching the children. So she said, sure. So she went and did that. And uh, so the farmer begins to back out, and he was going to do kind of like an inverted L, Uh, coming out of the barn, and then he was going to turn left and back up and then go straight. Well, what he did not know and what he did not see, the children were so little, they were all playing on a sled together, all five. And so the babysitter suddenly sees he's turning and going backwards uh, toward those kids. He's in reverse. So she's yelling, but he can't hear. And so she runs and starts quickly grabbing each child off of that sled. But when it came to the last child, whose name was Jessica, the two-year-old granddad ran over that little baby girl. And I'm telling you, it, there's, not a, there's no words to describe how as a young pastor, when they call and say, could you come to the hospital? There are several of your church members here. When I went to the hospital, uh, I saw the parents of this two-year-old girl, and they were crying. 
I saw the farmer and he had his face in his hands and he was saying, it should have been me. It should have been me, God. Why was it her? And then I saw the babysitter sitting there and saying, why did I take my eyes off of those kids? It's all my fault. Let me tell you, there was enough blame and enough guilt to go around that day. But what I saw Christ do that only the Lord can do, there was so much forgiveness at the funeral service when all of them sat on the same pew, holding one another, comforting one another. There's nothing easy about a situation like that. But my point is that sometimes funerals stir up all kinds of emotions. And the loss of Joseph's father was big time in the emotions of Joseph's brothers, because what they said was, oh no, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back. Now the question is, was that true? Was that reality? Of course not. But you see, here's the thing about fear. Fear often exaggerates reality. It exaggerates the truth. And so Joseph's brothers at this point, when their father passes away, perhaps their emotions are down, they're feeling weak and vulnerable. They don't realize it, but they've just been blindsided by fear. And so fear is exaggerating the truth. It was an irrational fear. It was not based on facts of Joseph's actions. It was based upon the feelings of the brothers. And what they did, they projected upon their brother Joseph. It was not that they detected any kind of hatred toward him and any kind of revenge. I'm going to pay those guys back. Nope, nothing like that. But you know, what's amazing to me is that Joseph at that point, had he wanted to pay them back? Oh, he could have. If you've never read the story in Genesis of this man, Joseph, you ought to check it out. He was the second most powerful man in Egypt at that time. And, you know, he had spared the nation from collapse during a prolonged famine. And so in the eyes of those Egyptians, I'm just telling you, this man, Joseph, he could do no wrong. So if he would have said, I want all of these brothers of mine executed, it could have happened in a heartbeat but he didn't. That's amazing. Since they sold him into slavery, since they had hated him and mistreated him. But here's what's going on in their hearts. These guys are rehearsing failures from the past. You see, failures from the past can sometimes emerge in the present. So here they are. They just lost their father. And what's going on in their emotions? What's playing in their minds? He's going to pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Did they do evil to him? Yes, they did. They were wrong. What they did was, was outrageous that they would do this to a brother. But now all of their failures are being rehearsed in their head over and over and over again. And so what did they think is going to help this situation? What they thought would help was this. It says, so they sent a message to Joseph. They thought, let's send him a message. Of course, I probably don't need to tell you this. I'm almost telling you this in jest, but this is before text message, right? So they're not going to text uh, Joseph. 
But they thought it's good to just send him a message. But here's the thing. When you've got something that has gone this deep, when you've got something that is this delicate, if you've got some kind of a conflict that you need to resolve with someone else, could I just recommend not sending a message? How about this? Face-to-face communication. That always excels when it comes to solving problems. So it says they tried this thing of sending a message to Joseph, but in the end, you know what verse 18 says? His brothers also came and they fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. You see, there's something that can happen in face-to-face communication that may not happen in terms of a text or an email or a phone call even, some of those kind of things. You know what it is? People can see your body language. They can see if it's genuine and authentic. I think when these brothers fell down before Joseph, I think it just touched his heart. But what did they think they should do when they sent that message through that, that I'm sure it was a courier of some kind. What did they say through him? They said, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. Did the father really say that? We don't have any biblical evidence. As a matter of fact, if you were to read the the chapter before chapter 50, go back into Genesis 49. He had a long talk. He had no problem. The father, his name was Jacob. He had no problem calling out the sins of his sons. When he needed to talk straight to him, he could talk straight to him. He would have had no problem saying to Joseph, if he would have seen revenge in his heart, bitterness in his heart, listen, this dad would have had no problem saying, son, I know your brothers mistreated you, but I really want to ask you to consider forgiving them. You're in a high position now. If you want to, you can wipe them all out. But I'm just asking you as your dad, please consider forgiving them and letting it go. Well, you know what I think they did? I think they tried fabricating something. You know, fabrications will only exacerbate a problem. They're not going to solve anything. And so the one thing you want to make sure you do whenever you're going to, you know, dig into a problem that's really a deep one, don't try to fabricate. Stick with the truth and speak the truth in love. The other thing I would say is a forthright request is always the most effective. Don't beat around the bush. If you've got something you need to say, then say it. These guys said it. They said, because we did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Hey, that's coming from them now. These brothers are saying that. This is not the courier. This is not something they're saying that their dad said. You know what this is? This is those brothers owning up to what they did, all that wrong, all that evil. And they're just saying, you know what, Joseph? We're just asking, could you please forgive us? Hey, we're willing to serve and we're trying to serve God now. We messed up before. You know what it says Joseph did? When verse 17 ends, it says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. You know, I think that sometimes feelings can be legitimate to express. I think it can really validate what we're trying to to say. And even before Joseph could say a word, he couldn't hardly talk. To see his brothers humble themselves, to see his brothers take ownership 
of what they did that was wrong, I think it touched him deeply and he couldn't hold it back. And so the feelings were there. Joseph wept, it says, when they spoke to him. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? You know, I think that forgiveness is a gift that we can extend to someone who has wronged us. We don't have to do it. As a matter of fact, let me make sure you understand what I'm not saying. You see, forgiveness is not these five things. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Don't wait till you feel like forgiving. Forgiveness is not pretending you were not hurt. Forgiveness is not excusing their wrong or condoning what they did to you. Nobody's asking you to approve of what they did. Forgiveness is not trusting the offender. There's a big difference between forgiving somebody and trusting somebody. I think that's that's totally different. But also forgiveness is not relieving the person of responsibility. It may mean they need to take some responsibility. You know what forgiveness is? I think forgiveness is releasing the resentment. It is pardoning someone who's hurt you. I think that forgiveness is basically, when you get down to it, for a Christian anyway, forgiveness is obedience to God. This is what God's commanded us to do. I think that forgiveness is an expression of gratitude of God's grace that you've received. You see, the reason Colossians that I read earlier, Colossians 3 and verse 13 says, forgive one another is because it says the Lord's forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Wow, that's pretty clear, isn't it? So if I'm grateful for God's forgiveness for me, then I'm willing to forgive someone who's hurt me. It doesn't mean I trust them, but it does mean I'm willing to not hold it in my craw. I'm willing to bury the hatchet. You know, I believe that forgiveness is one more thing. It's freedom. It's freedom, man. Freedom from bondage to bitterness. Well, let me give you two last things that I noticed in this wonderful example that we have here in Scripture named Joseph. I like what Joseph says and does in verses 20 and 21. Here's what he says. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Wow. You know what I think? I think that faith in a sovereign God causes us to have a a perspective that expands our vision of all that's taken place. Because it could be that even someone who was evil to you and did wrong to you, it could be that God can take all of that wrong and now he puts it in another perspective, in another way you couldn't see it before, but now you can see it. You see, if Joseph had never been sold into slavery, then his dad and his brothers most likely would have died of starvation when that uh, great famine hit because a lot of the people in Egypt would have died uh, during that uh, terrible famine. You know why they didn't die? You know why Joseph's brothers didn't die? They didn't die because God allowed those brothers wrong that they did to him to take him down to Egypt, the Pharaoh has a dream. God gives Pharaoh this instruction through a dream. You better take the next seven years and you better prepare because there's coming seven years of famine. 
So seven years of abundance, uh, he said, you better collect it all. And then in the seven years of famine, you'll be able to take care of people. That's exactly what the Pharaoh of Egypt did. And you know who, who he put over that? The man who gave him the interpretation of that dream, Joseph. He said, Joseph, you be the man. And so it's amazing that God was working on a much higher level. You see, God's sovereign. And so putting our faith in a sovereign God, it always has this ability to expand our outlook and our perspective, our vision of any situation. So just know that when you put your faith in the Lord, it can kind of help you see things that you wouldn't have noticed before. One last comment before we pray and we close for today. How about this one? You would think that Joseph would say, you know what? I did everything I can to make sure you guys are okay. So from now on, dad's gone. I'm on my own. You're on your own. Take care of your families the best you can. But listen to what he says to the same brothers who had mistreated him and sold him into slavery. He says in verse 21, so do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Man, isn't that amazing? You know, here's the last principle that I find about forgiving and doing the right thing and so forth. Fortifying rather than vilifying is better for everyone because he could have said, you know what? You guys have been so ugly to me. Payback time, buddy. Now we're going to pay you back. We'll be ugly to you. But you know what he did? He comforted them. He spoke kindly to them. He gave them this assurance. Now that I'm a wealthy man, now that I'm the number two man in Egypt, I'm not going to just take care of my family. I'm going to always make sure that each of your families are taken care of as well. Wow. That's a really incredible thing to do, you know especially to those who've done you wrong. So anyway, I just feel like there's a lot to learn from this man, Joseph. Like I said, there's 13 chapters. Uh, you might want to just check those out sometime because, you know, this is just one thing that I feel like that Joseph did right, forgiving instead of fuming. But there are other things. You might want to go there. I feel like that Joseph and maybe like Daniel, you know, these guys are up there because these guys were men of integrity. And so anyway, I just encourage you to do a character study in the Bible. I think it'll help you grow in grace. I think that part of growing in grace means I'm going to release others from the punishment I'd really like to give them. And I'm also not going to allow my own heart to be in a prison of bitterness because I don't know, there's something kind of ironic about uh, forgiving others that have wronged us. It's almost like when I unlock that, that cage that I wanted to put them in, when I unlock that cage, it's almost like I'm unlocking my heart's cage. Because my choice was I can be bitter or I can be better. And I think that when I choose forgiveness, God is able to make me a better person.
But when I choose revenge and I choose resentment and I choose anger, then I guarantee you I'm on the road to bitterness. And it's always better to choose to be a a deeper man, a a greater man, someone who's going to walk that more noble way that God wants us to walk than to get down there and just duke it out in the mud with those that have hurt us already. Just something to think about. But thank you so much for joining us uh, today at Growing in Grace. I'd like for us to pray. Hey, pray for me. I'm not saying I'm perfect in this area, but just ask God to help us to keep growing in grace to the point that we can forgive those who hurt us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, thank you so much that um, you chose to forgive us. I guess that's the starting point. Up until that point, I'm not sure that we ever really understood grace. I'm not sure we'd ever really tasted goodness. But there's one thing that's for certain. The day that you forgave me of my sins, that's the day I tasted grace, mercy, and goodness. I'm so glad that you forgave me of all those things that I'd done wrong. And it's not its not really come to an end, Lord. The truth of the matter is I still sin. I still blow it. There's sometimes I, I don't do what you want me to do on a given day. But I'm so glad that I'm accepted in Christ and I'm forgiven in Christ. And so it's no wonder that I should also turn to others that hurt me and wound me, disappoint me, uh, help me, O oh Lord, to to be able to speak to them with kindness, to be able to comfort them in some way, to be able to show them Christ in the way that I forgive. So help me, Lord, rather than going through life and piling up all the grudges inside my heart, help me to go for grace rather than the grudge. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. I pray that uh, God's blessed you. You have a great day in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.